Section four of Grotesques and Fantasies. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by John Van Stan, Savannah, Georgia. Grotesques and Fantasies by Israel Zangwill. The Memory Clearing House. When I moved into better quarters, on the strength of the success of my first novel, I little dreamt that I was about to be the innocent instrument of a new epic in telepathy. My poor Geraldine! But I must be calm. It would be madness to let them suspect I am insane. No, these last words must be final. I cannot afford to have them discredited. I cannot afford any luxuries now would to heaven i had never written that first novel then i might still have been a poor unhappy struggling realistic novelist i might still have been residing at one o nine little turncot street chapelby road st pancras but i do not blame providence i knew the book was conventional even before it succeeded my only consolation is that geraldine was part author of my misfortunes if not my novel she it was who urged me to abandon my high ideals to marry her and live happily ever afterwards she said if i wrote only one bad book it would be enough to establish my reputation that i could then command my own terms for the good ones i fell in with her proposal the bands were published and we were bound together i wrote a rose-tinted romance which no circulating library could be without instead of the voracious picture of life i longed to paint and i moved from one o nine little turncot street chapelby road st pancras to twenty two albert flats victoria square westminster a few days after we had sent out the cards i met my friend o'donovan late member for blackthorne he was an irishman by birth and profession but the recent general election had thrown him out of work the promise of his boyhood and of his successful career at trinity college was great but in later years he began to manifest the grave symptoms of genius i have heard whispers that it was in the family though he kept it from his wife possibly i ought not to have sent him a card and have taken the opportunity of dropping his acquaintance but geraldine argued that he was not dangerous and that we ought to be kind to him just after he had come out of parliament O'Donovan was in a rage. "'I never thought it of you,' he said angrily when I asked him how he was. He had a good Irish accent, but he only used it when addressing his constituents. "'Never thought of what?' I inquired in amazement. "'That you would treat your friends so shabbily.' "'What? Didn't you g get a card?' I stammered. "'I'm sure the wife—' "'Don't be a fool,' he interrupted. "'Of course I got a card.' That's what I complain of. I stared at him blankly. The social experiences resulting from my marriage had convinced me that it was impossible to avoid giving offense. I had no reason to be surprised, but I was. What right have you to move and put all your friends to trouble? He inquired savagely. I have put myself to trouble, I said, but I fail to see how I have taxed your friendship no of course not he growled i didn't expect you to see you're just as inconsiderate as everybody else don't you think i had enough trouble to commit to memory one o nine little turncot street 
Chapelby Road, St. Pancras, without being unexpectedly set to study, 21 Victoria Flats, 22 Albert Flats, I interrupted mildly. There you are, he snarled. You see already how it harasses my poor brain. I shall never remember it. Oh, yes, you will, I said deprecatingly. It is much easier than the old address. Listen here. 22 Albert Flats, Victoria Square, Westminster. 22, a symmetrical number, the first double even number. The first is 2, the second is 2, 2, and the whole is 2, 2, 2. Quite aesthetical, you know. Then all the rest is royal. Albert, Albert the Good. See, Victoria, the Queen. Westminster, Westminster Palace. And the other words, geometrical terms. Flat, square. Why, there never was such an easy address since the days of Adam before he moved out of Eden. I concluded enthusiastically. It's easy enough for you, no doubt, he said unappeased. But do you think you're the only acquaintance who's not contented with his street and number? Bless my soul, with a large circle like mine, I find myself charged with a new schoolboy task twice a month. I shall have to migrate to a village where people have more stability of character. Heavens! Why have snails been privileged with a domiciliary constancy denied to human beings? But you ought to be grateful, I urged feebly. Think of 22 Albert Flats, Victoria Square, Westminster, and then think of what I might have moved to. If I have given you an imposition, at least admit it is a light one. It isn't so much the new address I complain of. It's the old. Just imagine what a weary grind it has been to master. 109, Little Turncot Street, Chapelby Road, St. Pancras. For the last eighteen months I have been grappling with it, and now, just as I am letter-perfect and postcard secure, behold, all my labor destroyed, all my pains made ridiculous. It's the waste that vexes me. Here is a piece of information, slowly and laboriously acquired, yet absolutely useless. Nay, worse than useless, a positive hindrance, for I am just as slow at forgetting as at picking up. Whenever I want to think of your address, up it will spring. 109, Little Turncot Street, Chapelby Road, St. Pancras. It cannot be scotched. It must lie there, blocking up my brains, a heavy, uncouth mass, always ready to spring at the wrong moment, a possession of no value to anyone but the owner, and not the least use to him. He paused, brooding on the thought in moody silence. Suddenly his face changed. "'But isn't it of value to anybody but the owner?' he exclaimed excitedly. "'Are there not persons in the world who would jump at the chance of acquiring it? Don't, don't stare at me as if I was a comet. Look here. Suppose someone had come to me eighteen months ago and said, "'Patrick, old man, I have a memory I don't want.' It's 109 Little Turncot Street, Chapelby Road, St. Pancras. You're welcome to it, if it's of any use to you. Don't you think I would have fallen on that man's or woman's neck and watered it with my tears? Just think of what a saving of brain force it would have been to me, how many petty vexations it would have spared me. See here, then. 
is your last place let yes i said a mr morrow has it now ha he said with satisfaction now there must be lots of mr morrow's friends in the same predicament as i was people whose brains are softening in the effort to accommodate one o nine little turncot street chapelby road st pancras psychical science has made such great strides in this age that with a little ingenuity it should surely not be impossible to transfer the memory of it from my brain to theirs but i gasped even if it was possible why should you give away what you don't want that would be charity you do not suspect me of that he cried reproachfully no my ideas are not so primitive for don't you see that there is a memory i want thirty-three royal flats twenty-two albert flats i murmured shamefacedly twenty-two albert flats he repeated witheringly you see how badly i want it well what i propose is to exchange my memory of one o nine little turncot street chapelby road st pancras he always rolled it slowly on his tongue with morbid self-torture and almost intolerable reproachfulness for the memory of twenty-two albert square but you forget i said though i lacked the courage to correct him again that the people who want one o nine little turncot street are not the people who possess twenty-two albert flats precisely the principle of direct exchange is not feasible what is wanted therefore is a memory clearing-house if i can only discover the process of thought transference i will establish one so as to bring the right parties into communication everybody who has old memories to dispose of will send me in particulars at the end of each week i will publish a catalogue of the memories in the market and circulate it among my subscribers who will pay say a guinea a year when the subscriber reads his catalogue and lights upon any memory he would like to have he will send me a postcard and i will then bring him into communication with the proprietor taking of course a commission upon the transaction doubtless in time there will be supplementary catalogue devoted to once which may induce people to scour their brains for half-forgotten reminiscences or persuade them to give up memories they would never have parted with otherwise well my boy what do you think of it it opens up endless perspectives i said half dazed it will be the greatest invention ever known he cried inflaming himself more and more it will change human life it will make a new epic it will affect a greater economy of human force than all the machines under the sun think of the saving of nerve tissue think of the prevention of brain irritation why we shall all live longer through it centenarians will become as cheap as american millionaires live longer through it alas the mockery of the recollection he left me his face working wildly for days the vision of it interrupted my own work at last i could bear the suspense no more and went to his house i found him in ecstasies and his wife in tears 
she was beginning to suspect the family skeleton eureka he was shouting eureka what's the matter sobbed the poor woman why don't you speak english he's been going on like this for the last five minutes she added turning pitifully to me eureka shouted o'donovan i must say it no new invention is complete without it bah i didn't think you were so conventional i said contemptuously i suppose you have found out how to make the memory transferring machine i have he cried exultantly i shall christen it the noemograph or thought writer the impression is received on a sensitized plate which acts as a medium between the two minds the brow of the purchaser is pressed against the plate through which a current of electricity is then passed he rambled on about volts and dynamic psychometry and other hard words which though they break no bones should be strictly confined in private dictionaries i am awfully glad you came in he said resuming his mother tongue at last because if you won't charge me anything i will try the first experiment on you i consented reluctantly and in two minutes he rushed about the room triumphantly shouting twenty-two albert flats victoria square westminster till he was hoarse but for his enthusiasm i should have suspected he had crammed up with my address on the sly he started the clearing-house forthwith it began humbly as an attic in the strand the first number of the catalogue was naturally meagre he was good enough to put me on the free list and i watched with interest the development of the enterprise he had canvassed his acquaintances for subscribers and begged everybody he met to send him particulars of their cast-off memories when he could afford to advertise a little his clientele increased there is always a public for anything bizarre and a percentage of the population would send thirteen stamps for the philosopher's stone post free of course the rest of the population smiled at him for an ingenious quack the memories on sale catalogue grew thicker and thicker the edition issued to the subscribers contained merely the items but o'donovan's copy comprised also the names and addresses of the vendors and now and again he allowed me to have a peep at it in strict confidence the inventor himself had not foreseen the extraordinary uses to which his noemograph would be put nor the extraordinary developments of his business here are some specimens called at random from number thirteen of the clearing-house catalogue when o'donovan still limited himself to facilitating the sale of superfluous memories item one twenty-five portsdown avenue maida vale item three one three five zero two comma one seven two zero eight banknote numbers item twelve history of england a few saxon kings missing as successful in a recent examination by the college of preceptors adapted to the requirements of candidates for the oxford and cambridge local and the london matriculation item seventeen paley's evidences together with a job lot of dogmatic theology second-hand a valuable collection by a clergyman recently ordained who has no further use for them item twenty six a dozen whist wrinkles as used by a retiring speculator excessively cheap item twenty nine 
mathematical formulae complete sets all the latest novelties and improvements including those for the higher plane curves and a selection of the most useful logarithms the property of a dying senior wrangler applications must be immediate and no payment need be made to the heirs till the will has been proved item thirty five arguments in favor of home rule warranted sound proprietor distinguished gladstonian m p has made up his mind to part with them at a sacrifice eminently suitable for by-elections principles only item fifty eight witty wedding speech as delivered amid great applause by a bridegroom also an assortment of toasts jocose and serious in good condition reduction on taking a quantity politicians clergymen and ex-examinees soon became the chief customers graduates in arts and science hastened to disencumber their memories of the useless load of learning which had outstayed its function of getting them on in the world thus not only did they make some extra money but memories which would otherwise have rapidly faded were turned over to new minds to play a similarly beneficent part in aiding the careers of the owners the fine image of lucretius was realized and the torch of learning was handed on from generation to generation had o'donovan's business been as widely known as it deserved the curse of cram would have gone to roost for ever and a finer physical race of englishmen would have been produced in the hands of honest students the invention might have produced intellectual giants for each scholar could have started where his predecessor left off and added more to his wealth of lore the modern standing upon the shoulders of the ancients in a more literal sense than bacon dreamed the memory of macaulay which all englishmen rightly reverence might have been possessed by his schoolboy as it was omniscient idiots abounded left colossally wise by their fathers whose painfully acquired memories they inherited without the intelligence to utilize them o'donovan's parliamentary connection was a large one doubtless merely because of his former position and his consequent contact with political circles promises to constituents were always at a discount the supply being immensely in excess of the demand indeed promises generally were a drug in the market instead of issuing the projected supplemental catalogue of memories wanted o'donovan by this time saw his way to buying them up on spec he was not satisfied with his commission he had learnt by experience the kinds that went best such as exam answers but he resolved to have all sorts and be remembered as the whiteley of memory thus the clearing-house very soon developed into a storehouse o'donovan's advertisement ran thus wanted 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 memories memories best prices in the trade happy sad bitter sweet as used by minor poets high prices for absolutely pure memories memories historical scientific pious etc good memories special terms to liars precious memories exeter hallmarked new memories for old lost memories recovered while you wait old memories turned equal to new o'donovan soon sported his brougham any day you went into the store which now occupied the whole of the premises in the strand you could see endless traffic going on i often loved to watch it 
people who were tired of themselves came here to get a complete new outfit of memories and thus change their identities plaintiffs defendants and witnesses came to be fitted with memories that would stand the test of the oath and they often brought solicitors with them to advise them in selecting from the stock counsel's opinion on these points was regarded as especially valuable statements that would wash and stand rough pooling about were much sought after gentlemen and ladies writing reminiscences and autobiographies were to be met with at all hours and nothing was more pathetic than to see the humble artisan investing his hard-earned tanner in recollections of a seaside holiday in the buying-up department trade was equally brisk and people who were hard up were often forced to part with their tenderest recollections memories of dead loves went at five shillings a dozen and all those moments which people had vowed never to forget were sold at starvation prices the memories indelibly engraven on hearts were invariably faded and only sold as damaged the salvage from the most ardent fires of affection rarely paid the porterage as a rule the dearest memories were the cheapest of the memory of favors there was always a glut and often heaps of diseased memories had to be swept away at the instigation of the sanitary inspector memories of wrongs done being rarely parted with except when their owners were at their last gasp fetched fancy prices mourners memories ruled especially lively in the memory exchange too there was always a crowd the temptation to barter worn-out memories for new proving irresistible one day o'donovan came to me crying eureka once more shut up i said annoyed by the idiotic hellenicism shut up why i shall open ten more shops i have discovered the art of duplicating triplicating polyplicating memories i used only to be able to get one impression out of the sensitized plate now i can get any number be careful i said this may ruin you how so he asked scornfully why just see suppose you supply two candidates for a science degree with the same chemical reminiscences you lay them under a suspicion of copying two after-dinner speakers may find themselves recollecting the same joke several autobiographers may remember their making the same remark to gladstone unless your customers can be certain they have the exclusive right in other people's memories they will fall away perhaps you're right he said i must eureka something else his greek was as defective as if he had had a classical education what he found was the higher system some people who might otherwise have been good customers objected to losing their memories entirely they were willing to part with them for a period for instance when a man came up to town or took a run to paris he did not mind dispensing with some of his domestic recollections just for a change people who knew better than to forget themselves entirely profited by the opportunity of acquiring the funds for a holiday merely by leaving some of their memories behind them there were always others ready to hire for a season the discarded bits of personality and thus remorse was done away with and double lives became a luxury within the reach of the multitude 
to the very poor o'donovan's new development proved an invaluable auxiliary to the pawn-shop on monday mornings the pavement outside was congested with wretched-looking women anxious to pawn again the precious memories they had taken out with saturday's wages under this higher system it became possible to pledge the memories of the absent for wine instead of in it but the most gratifying result was its enabling pious relatives to redeem the memories of the dead on payment of the legal interest it was great fun to watch o'donovan strutting about the rooms of his newest branch swelling with pride like a combination cock and john bull the experiences he gained here afforded him the material for a final development but to be strictly chronological i ought first to mention the newspaper into which the catalogue evolved it was called in memoriam and was published at a penny and gave a prize of a thousand pounds to any reader who lost his memory on the railway and who applied for the reward in person in memoriam dealt with everything relating to memory though dishonestly enough the articles were all original so were the advertisements which required to have some reference to the objects of the clearing-house for example a philanthropic gentleman of good address who has travelled a great deal wishes to offer his addresses to impecunious young ladies orphans preferred only those genuinely desirous of changing their residences and with weak memories need apply and now for the final and fatal eureka the anxiety of some persons to hire out their memories for a period led o'donovan to see that it was absurd for him to pay for the use of them the owners were only too glad to dodge remorse he hit on the sublime idea that they ought to pay him the result was the following advertisement in in memoriam and its contemporaries amnesia agency o'donovan's anodyne cheap forgetfulness complete or partial easy amnesia temporary or permanent haunting memories laid consciences cleared cares carefully removed without gas or pain the london address of leth is one zero zero one strand don't forget it quite a new class of customers rushed to avail themselves of the new pathological institution what attracted them was having to pay hitherto they wouldn't have gone if you paid them as o'donovan used to do widows and widowers presented themselves in shoals for treatment with the result that marriages took place even within the year of mourning a thing which obviously could not be done under any other system i wonder whether geraldine but let me finish now how well i remember that bright summer's morning when wooed without by the liberal sunshine and disgusted with the progress i was making with my new study in realistic fiction i threw down my pen strolled down the strand and turned into the clearing-house i passed through the selling department catching a babble of cries from the counter-jumpers two gross anecdotes yes sir this way sir half dozen proposals it'll be cheaper if you take a dozen miss can i do anything more for you mum just let me show you a sample of our innocent recollections the duchess of bayswater has just taken some 
Anything in the musical line this morning, signor? We have some lovely new recollections just in from the impecunious composers. Won't you take a score? Good morning, Mr. Clement Archer. We have the very thing for you, a memory of Macriati playing Wolseley, quite clear and in excellent preservation, the only one in the market. Oh, no, mum, we have already allowed for these memories being slightly soiled. Jones, this lady complains the memories we sent her were short. O'Donovan was not to be seen. I passed through the buying department where the employees were beating down the prices of kind remembrances and through the higher department where the clerks were turning up their noses at the old memories that had been pledged so often into the amnesia agency there i found the great organizer appearing curiously at a sensitized plate oh he said is that you here's a curiosity what is it i asked the memory of a murder the patient paid well to have it off his mind, but I am afraid I shall miss the usual second profit for who will buy it again. I will, I cried with a sudden inspiration. Oh, what a fool I have been. I should have been your best customer. I ought to have bought up all sorts of memories and written the most voracious novel the world has seen. I haven't got a murder in my new book, but I'll work one in at once. Eureka! stash that he said revengefully you can have the memory with pleasure i couldn't think of charging an old friend like you who's moving from an address which i've sold to twenty-two albert flats victoria square westminster made my fortune that was how i came to write the only true murder ever written it appears that the seller a poor laborer had murdered a friend in epping forest just to rob him of half a crown and calmly hid him under some tangled brushwood. A few months afterwards, having unexpectedly come into a fortune, he thought it well to break entirely with his past, and so had the memory extracted at the agency. This, of course, I did not mention, but I described the murder and the subsequent feelings of the assassin, and launched the book on the world with a feeling of exultant expectation. Alas! It was damned universally for its tameness and the improbability of its murder scenes. The critics, to a man, claimed to be authorities on the sensations of murderers. And the reading public, aghast, said I was flying in the face of Dickens. They said the man would have taken daily excursions to the corpse and have been forced to invest in a season ticket to Epping Forest. They said he would have started if his own shadow crossed his path, not calmly have gone on drinking beer like an innocent babe at its mother's breast. I determined to have the laugh of them. Stung to madness, I wrote to the papers, asserting the truth of my murder and giving the exact date and the place of burial. The next day a detective found the body and I was arrested. I asked the police to send for O'Donovan and gave them the address of the amnesia agency, but O'Donovan denied the existence of such an institution and said he got his living as secretary of the Shamrock Society. I raved, I cursed him then, and now it occurs to me that he had perhaps submitted himself and everybody else to amnesiastic treatment. 
Well, the jury recommended me to mercy on the grounds that to commit a murder for the artistic purpose of describing the sensations bordered on insanity. But even this false plea has not saved my life. It may. A petition has been circulated by Moody's, and even at the eighth hour my reprieve may come. Yet if the third volume of my life be closed tomorrow, I pray that these, my last words, may be published in an edition deluxe, and such of the profits as the publisher can spare be given to Geraldine. If I am reprieved, I will never buy another murderer's memory, not for all the artistic ideals in the world. I'll be hanged if I do. End of the Memory Clearing House Recording by John Van Stan, Savannah, Georgia